morning, friends. <laughs> Bless you for, for being here. And um, I'm sorry, I'm going to change the pace a little bit. I've, I, I, yeah, I'm conscious that we're looking back, but today we're also going to be looking forward because what is next week? Christmas! Absolutely, and forgive me, that's what we're going to be chatting about today, and I'm going to need everybody to help me with that. That's why I've insisted that the kids stay with me, because I know that they know all the answers. <laughs> but first, we need to get in the mood, so I've got, well, I feel like I've lost one. No, there he is. I've got two willing, happy, eager helpers. And it's actually, we're actually going to start with a little bit of a game. Look at this eager, happy face. <laughs> and another one. Excellent. So I am going to split the room in two, if that's okay. Because we've got two teams. So Matt, do you mind coming around this side? That's okay. Um, we might need some kids on this side, if that's all right. If some children wouldn't mind helping out this side. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Beautiful. So I'm going to split the room down here, this way, okay? So this side, we're on Matt's team. This side, sorry, I didn't mean to tear anyone asunder. Um, we're on Dave's team. Yes! Wow, we are enthusiastic this morning. Okay, so round the room, I have hidden some clothing which some characters from the Tivity story often wear. So you, everybody, and I mean everybody, because there are some things that the kids aren't going to be able to reach, hint, hint. Um, you're looking for something to put on their head. You're looking for something to put on their shoulders. You're looking for something for them to ride. And you're looking for somewhere for them to live. Okay, so four things, one on the head, one on the shoulders, one to ride, and one uh, a place to live. And for these guys, it's all this side of the room. For these guys, it's all this side of the room. So are we ready? Oh, we've got some, got movement. Hold on. Are we steady? Go! <laughs> yes, Brian. We've got, we've got a hat. We've got a hat here. Oh! <gasps> Oh, Matt, that is a gorgeous royal steed right there. Brilliant. Oh, what have we got here? Okay, we've got Dave's place to live. <gasps> Very handsome, Matt. We've got a crown and, oh, good luck with this, Dave. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, I was hiding those. But, um, <laughs> brilliant find. <gasps> what have you found? A donkey, okay. Oh, wow. Okay, how are we doing here? Oh, it's actually a real... It was on... It was over there. It was on a chair. Here it is, here it is, here it is. Here we go. How are we doing? Oh, oh, hold on. Oh, dear. Okay, how, how are we doing? Just got your hat. Oh, Who's, who's going to win? Who's going to be complete? Oh, okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Woo! Oh, 
was, hold on, hold on, stay there, stay there, stay there. Well done. Well done, guys. I fear this team did slightly, but although you haven't quite got your cape on right, Matt. So, uh, <laughs> it's done, I enjoyed. Okay, okay, so excellent. You've got all your bits. Right, guys, I need you to help me. I want to know which one of these guys, guys, strike your most macho, majestic poses. Is that it? <laughs> Which one is the king? Okay, so if you think Matt is the king, can I hear a cheer? If we think Dave is the king, can I have a cheer? Can we do Dave again? Ready? Is Dave the king? Okay, and is Matt the king? Okay, what do we think make Matt the king? What makes Matt the king? He's got a crown. He's got the horse. I mean, I mean, lots of us would be kings if we all had horses. Well, anything else? Yes, Josh. Pardon? He's got the cloak. And where do you live, Matt? What's this? What's this? He's in a palace. I was past. Where is Dave? What have we got here? We've got a cave. Excellent. And what, what animal are you? You're riding a donkey. A donkey. Yes, I think you will agree. A lot of us would expect the king to be here. Well done, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I'm still going to need your help, guys, because you know I'm quite forgetful, don't you? So I ask lots of questions, and I do expect answers, okay? <laughs> okay? So we're thinking about Christmas, and we often think... You can, you can sit in here. Sit, sit. And we often think about shepherds and kings. But really, if we want to think about Christmas, we've got to go all the way to the very start, to the very, very beginning, to what happened at the very start, Ben? What happened at the start of time? Oh, to the very, very start of the Bible. What happens then? Before Mary and the Bible, what does God do? He makes. He makes an angel. He does. What else does he make? He makes the stars and the world and everything. And, he, and does he make it good or does he make it not so good? He makes it good. He makes it absolutely perfect. It's beautiful. And then comes a really sad day where actually what we're thinking about today, that's when it all started. Because when we broke the rules, that's when despair and death and illness and separation, that's when it came and it ingrained itself into the very fabric of our existence. And it's so painful because we were never meant to feel that. That's why it hurts so much because we were never, ever meant to taste that. But now we did. But it's not all bad news because right from the start, God promised 
that someone was going to come and reverse everything. He was going to make everything that was wrong right again. He was going to break the power of sin and death. Do we know what his name is? Yeah? Who is it? Absolutely. Absolutely. But Jesus didn't come for a while, did he? No, they had, the people of God had to wait and wait. And they had promises and prophecies that told them what the rescuer was going to be like. That he was going to be powerful. That he was going to be the king of an everlasting kingdom. Now, if you are going to have a king of an everlasting kingdom, who, where do you think he would be born? Where would a king be born? Yes, Josh. In a castle, absolutely. Or in a palace. Oh, which I can't tell which way around. Like this. All lovely and diamonds and gold. But when God launches his rescue plan, he doesn't go to a royal family in a palace. He doesn't go to the world leaders, the political movers and shakers. He goes to a young girl. An unmarried girl and says you're gonna carry the savior of the world and how does Mary respond yes Ben. she's scared absolutely because what are people going to think what are people going to think what does her fiance think he's initially thinks well actually I'm gonna change change my mind here but God says no Look after Mary. Look after my boy. Because you guys, you're going to be the ones bringing up the Son of God. Which if I was Joseph, I would also feel a little bit like... But he's again, he's not a man that you would expect to be bringing up the Son of God. Because what was Joseph? Can we remember? What was he? A carpenter! He wasn't anyone massively important. But, But anyway, that's what God does. And where does Mary have her baby? In a stable. I find it just absolutely mind-blowing that the king of the universe, there's no room for him when he's born. He's not laid in a feather bed mattress with silk and velvet. He's not attended by hundreds of attendants. There's not even a doctor or a midwife there when Jesus is born. No one notices At all. And where where is he placed? His first bed is a where's it been? Is a manger in a feeding trough with scratchy straw because there was no room for him. Is this really the king that they were expecting when they heard all these all these promises? And who what what you when what happens when a king's normally born? Who comes to say hello and pay their respects? What happened when Prince George and Prince Louis were born? Well, Papa Malachi. You don't know? That's okay. That's okay. That's all right. There was a media frenzy, wasn't there? There were declarations across the nation saying the newborn king is here. We're ready for him. He's here. But who's the first one that God tells about baby Jesus. Who's the first one God tells? Shepherds! Absolutely, Joel. Not the world leaders. 
not the royal family, but stinky shepherds. And I mean it, they are often stinky because they spend all their time with sheep. People do not want to hang out with shepherds, but they are the first ones that God tells. And he gets a little bit better, doesn't he? He gets some special gifts, doesn't he? Can we remember what, what gifts does he, does he get given? Yes, Lily. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Absolutely. That's a little bit more kingly, isn't it? That's a bit of an improvement on, on our trajectory of being born in a stable, being greeted by shepherds. He's got some, he's got some gifts, hasn't he? That's it's looking a little bit better. Maybe this is actually the king that is expected. But with that, yes, my love. He, he, he did get Frankenstein's. <laughs> he got gold, frankincense, and myrrh, didn't he? He did. But along with that came a threat. Because when those, we don't know how many they were, those wise men came from the east. Someone else heard about their search. King. Pardon? King Herod, absolutely. And he heard that this newborn king will be the king of his kingdom, or what he thought was his kingdom. And he was overcome with jealousy and rage and wanted to protect his power. And so he ordered that all of the newborn babies, of the newborn sons and boys, they were to be taken. And so what did Jesus and Mary and Joseph have to do? They have to run. They have to flee to the land of Egypt, a refugee. Is this really the king that they were expecting on the run? And it doesn't get, to be honest with you, it doesn't get much better. Because as he grows up, he grows up poor. He grows up in a working class family. He grows up learning to be a carpenter, which I imagine is quite fun. <laughs> but he, he doesn't get to go to boarding school. He doesn't get archery lessons or whatever it is princes normally get when, when, when they're being educated. He doesn't live in a palace as you would expect a king to do. And it's not until he is at the ripe old age of 30, which is a great age, I've got to say, okay? It is the best age. <laughs> when God finally tells him, right, you have got the green light. You are now to tell everybody and show them who you are. Tell, show them and tell them exactly what you've come to do. The rescue mission is a go, and it is global in its scope. Destination is to the very ends of the earth with the objective of rescuing every single man, woman, and child from anything that separates them from God. Now... If that's your mission, who do you want on your A-team to help you do that? Who do you want on your team to help you with this mission impossible? Norbert, who would you want? I didn't get it, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're leading a mission. Yes. Who do you want with you on your mission to help you? On your mission, yeah. Well, you're going to save the whole earth, Norbert. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you want with you? Well, you want the Holy Spirit, obviously. You want the Holy Spirit? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> and a couple of 
people who pray. Couple of people who pray. We've got the good godly answers here. I love it. Because I gotta admit, that's not where I would go. I'd be like, I want people with money. <laughs> I want people with resource. I want people who are smart, strategic thinkers who can help me reach the whole world. I want people with influence. So I would want religious leaders. No, I would want possibly world leaders, political leaders. That's who I would think, if I'm being strategic, which I'm not often, um, who I would recruit. But who is it that Jesus calls to be his most trusted followers? Who is it? Is it world leaders? Is it political leaders? Who is it? It is the disciples. It's the disciples. Can we remember, what did they do? Yes, Josh. They were fishermen. That's the top of all of your list, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Fishermen. Again, a bit smelly, I would imagine. And who else? Who else? Tax collectors. The scheming, naughty thieves that were tax collectors. Would you really expect to have your A-team made up of fishermen and tax collectors? Not really. Is this really the king that they were expecting? And have you noticed who he hung out with? It raised a few eyebrows, I'm, I'm not going to lie. The people that he hung out with, they were sinners. They were lepers. They were people that you, that did things that you don't talk about at church. They were the people that you wouldn't be seen dead with. I, I love thinking about how awkward this must have been for the disciples. <laughs> I'm so bad. You know, like, what's he doing? Who's he, who's, he talk, who's he talking to? Jesus, we don't talk to women. We don't talk to them. And she's a Samaritan. We definitely don't talk to them. Come on, come on. Peter, you're meant to be on Jesus. Watch, keep an eye on him. I'm going to die of embarrassment. Can you just imagine what, they, what being a disciple would have really been like? Is, it, is he really the king that they were expecting? And what he said about the kingdom was even more crazy. Because he said, welcome are those who are poor in spirit, which basically means those who know they've got it wrong. Those who know that they've messed up. He said, welcome are the merciful, not the powerful. He said, welcome are the brokenhearted, not the happy. He said, welcome are those who are persecuted and rejected. Those are the people he was welcoming and establishing his kingdom for. And of course, he did some other unexpected things, didn't he? He did some miracles. Can anyone tell me what kind of miracles Jesus did? Anyone remember? Joel, there was a hand. Absolutely. He had power over the weather. Didn't he calm storms? What else did he do, George? That is my favorite one. He turned water into wine. That's a very good thing to be able to do, I think. Anything else? What else did he do? Yes. 
He raised people from the dead. So although he taught a strange message that people found it hard to understand, he showed them the power that God had, the power that God had to heal people, to forgive people, to even beat the power of death. Jesus showed that. And people were getting behind this. They started believing, yes, actually, this might be the one that we've been waiting for. This might be the person who's going to rescue me. And then, plot twist. The perfect Messiah is arrested. He's wrongfully put on trial where no witness can say anything against him. And then he is put to death in the most shameful and undignified way. Is that really the king that they were expecting? No? No. And even the disciples at that point, they said, I don't know this guy. He's, he's not who I knew. But like a Nuna reverse card, who knows what happened next? Did he stay dead? No. No. He did come alive. Three days later, he came alive to show that he had broken the very power that seemed to have defeated him. He had broken the power of death, of decay, of illness, which is why we know for certain that our gene is free. She is entirely, gloriously, beautifully free because Jesus has risen again. <laughs> well, I've lost my train of thought now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> because if we really think about Christmas, God is not about meeting our expectations. He's about loving you beyond any expectations you could ever have. He, when Jesus broke the power of death, he opened the kingdom for you. He blasted those gates wide open and nothing that you do or have done could ever shut them on you again because Jesus has defeated that. And we are all welcome in this kingdom. Jesus showed us love because he did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He was not the king. He did not look like the king. He was not the king that they expected but he was the king that this world needs desperately. Because who doesn't need to know that they are known and loved? Who doesn't need to know that they are seen and accepted just as they are? God did not call the perfect. He did not call the happy. He did not call those who have it all together, but the exact opposite. And what I find so much joy in is that in following an unexpected king, is I can be an unexpected disciple. Before I was a Christian, my friends would have laughed in your faces that I would love Jesus because I was one of the biggest sinners ever. And I can very... Yeah, I would know in the way that Jesus lived, in the women that he went to, I would have been one of the first he would come to and the first that others would have rejected. Because that is the king that we follow. And he loves us and he enables us to love others 
in the same way. That is what he has freed us to be. So we can be unexpected disciples. Now, we've spoken quite a bit about an invitation, haven't we? And for each of you, I don't really know who Jesus is to you today. I don't know if maybe he's, he was a lovely man with a lovely beard, from the look of it. Or he was a great teacher. Or maybe you follow Jesus a while and sometimes you feel like he gets in the way of what you feel life should hold for you. I think my invitation is to really see Jesus for who he is, not what you feel he should give you, not what you feel a king or a God should be, but actually who he showed himself to be. And for yourselves, you're not expected to be perfect because God's done that for you. You're not expected to be anything other than how God made you to be, and he's calling you as you are into his kingdom. So I've got a video who could explain a little bit more eloquently than I ever could about who Jesus is. And I would just love for you to pray and dwell on that um, this Christmas. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well-framed of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient.